Theism is broadly defined as the belief in the existence of a supreme being or deities. Animism is the belief that objects, places and creatures all possess a distinct spiritual essence. Potentially, animism perceives all things, animals, plants, rocks, rivers, weather systems, human handiwork, perhaps even words, even mind, as animated and alive. Animists are not part of any form of organized religious system. Polytheism is the worship or belief in multiple deities, which are usually assembled into a pantheon of gods and goddesses, along with their own religious and rituals. Polytheism is a type of theism. It's almost multiple religions in one. Monotheism is the belief in one God, one true God. That will be the basis of this podcast. But before that, let me tell you what deism is. Deism is the philosophical position that rejects revelation as a source of religious knowledge and asserts that reason and observation of the natural world are sufficient to establish the existence of a supreme being or a creator of the universe. Agnostics or agnosticism is the view that the existence of God, of the divine or the supernatural, is both unknowable and unknown Atheists or atheism, in the most broader sense, is an absence of belief in the existence of deities altogether. Richard Dawkins, author, commentator, and well-known atheist, said, and I quote, Hindu polytheism isn't really polytheism, but monotheism in disguise, end quote. The irony in that statement is that Hinduism actually has a pantheon of gods and goddesses, be it Ganesha, Shiva, Lakshmi, among others like Krishna, Durga, Kali or Rama. It goes on. The statement Dawkins made is by an atheist. He is an atheist who does not believe in neither one nor many gods. It's an interesting observation. In this podcast, I want to examine the history of God. Not gods, but the one singular, supposedly, True one. Religion has probably been with humans since the species evolved into something close to the creatures you and I are now. Evidence suggests that it could be around 100,000 years old because that's the earliest known evidence found of human burial. Since burial is a ritual, a religious one, we can assume other humans did it and we can also make the assumption that it happened longer ago than 100,000 years ago. Over the years, religion evolved. What though exactly is religion? It comes from Latin, meaning respect for what is sacred, reverence for the gods, sense of right, moral obligation, obligation, the bond between man and gods. It comes from the word religio, credited to Cicero in the first century AD, meaning also strict observance to cultural norms. Keep in mind that 1 AD, the Romans were very much polytheists, or pagans, i.e. worshippers of many gods. The way I think about it is this, and I think this is important to me, so I'm going to say it. Some belief systems start with philosophy and Nietzsche first, and then grows organically to intertwine with God worship. 
The interesting point about singular God worship is that oftentimes God worship and religion come first and the philosophy comes later. I repeat, some belief systems start with philosophy and nature then grow organically to intertwine with God worship. The interesting point about singular God worship is that oftentimes the religion and God came first, the philosophy came later. That's why I would argue that Chinese or other Asian folk belief, Taoism, Confucianism, are not religions. That also goes for Jainism and Buddhism, and yes, even Hinduism, because of its Vedic origins. There are philosophies that got mixed up with other thoughts and organically muted to what you supposedly see as religion today. The one true God is different though. He came first. Let's go back to what Dawkins said about Hinduism. That Hindu polytheism isn't really polytheism, but monotheism in disguise. It's very true. The Rig Veda exhibits notions of oneness of the Brahman, particularly in the 10th book, which is dated to the early Iron Age, the hymn of creation. By oneness of existence, the Vedic hymn suggests that strictly speaking, there exists only a single thing, the universe, which can only be artificially and arbitrarily divided into many things, but that everything, you, me, that phone, house, tree, oxygen, the planet, Jupiter, everything is one. Brahman connotes the highest universal principle, the ultimate reality in the universe. Ultimate reality is something that is supreme, final, and fundamental power in all reality. Brahman as reality is the single binding unity behind diversity in all that exists in the universe. The concept of Brahman is discussed in both the Vedas and the Upanishads. They are philosophical texts that contain in them thoughts, ideas, and discourse and discussion. Brahman is discussed in these texts with the concept of Atman. Atman is a Sanskrit word that means inner self, spirit, or soul. Atman is the essence of you, your true self. With possible roots dating back to the second millennium BCE, Zoroastrianism enters written history in about the 5th century BCE. It served as the state religion of the ancient Iranian empires for more than a millennium, from around 600 BCE to 650 CE, but declined from the 7th century onwards following the Muslim conquests of Persia. The most important texts of the religion are those contained within the Avesta, which includes a central writing for Zoroastra, poems that define the teachings of Zoroastra, the main worship service of Zoroastrianism. Zoroastra's teachings challenged the existing traditions of the Indo-Iranian religious system and inaugurated a movement that eventually became the dominant religion of Persia, i.e. Iran. Some scholars using linguistic and sociocultural evidence suggest a dating of somewhere in the 2nd millennium BCE. Others date him in the 7th and 6th centuries BCE 
as a near contemporary of Cyrus the Great or Darius I, emperors of Persia. Zoroastrians believe that there is one universal, transcendent, all-good and uncreated supreme created deity, Ahura Mazda, or the Wise Lord. Zoroaster claims that Ahura Mazda is omniscient but not omnipotent. Zoroastrianism has a belief in a self-creating universe with consciousness as its special attribute, thereby putting Zoroastrianism in the fold, sharing its origin with Indian Brahmanism. Fascinating, isn't it? While in India, the Vedas were being discussed, and Zoroastrianism and its monotheistic beliefs were being taken hold in Iran, over in Egypt, where by now already the pyramids were ancient and the civilization old, along came the pharaoh Akhenaten, previously the IV, and his queen, Queen Neferiti. To give you a bit of context, ancient Egypt, both before Akhenaten and Nefriti and after them, were polytheists, who believed in multiple gods, plus that the ruler was also considered divine. As a pharaoh, Akhenaten is noted for abandoning Egypt's traditional polytheism and introducing Atonism or worship centre around Aten. Aten, or what became later to be known as the Amarna heresy, the word Aten means circle or disc, and later sun disc, is first found in the 24th century BC, discovered in a mortuary temple for the 5th dynasty pharaoh, and I'm going to butcher this name, Neferkiki Kaki. Aten, the god of Atenism, first appears as a god in texts dating to the 12th dynasty in the story of Sinhu. During the Middle Kingdom, Aten, as the sun disk, was merely one aspect of the sun god, Re. It was a relatively obscure sun god. Without the Atenist period, it might barely have mentioned in Egyptian history. Although there are indications that it was becoming slightly more important during the 18th dynasty, notably Arpenhopen III's naming of his royal barrage as spirit of Aten, it was Atenhopen IV, who introduced the Atenist revolution in a series of steps resulting in the official installment of Aten as Egypt's one sole god. Although each line of kings prior to the reign of Akhenaten had previously adopted one deity as the royal patron and supreme state god, there had never been an attempt to exclude other deities and the multitude of gods had always been tolerated and worshipped. Amenthop IV initially introduced Atonism in the fifth year of his reign, raising Aten to the status of supreme god, initially permitting continued worship of traditional gods. Amenthop IV officially changed his name to Akhenaten, i.e. the spirit of Aten, as evidence of his new worship. By the seventh year of his reign, the capital was moved from Thebes to Akhenaten, a newly constructed capital city. Akhenaten also oversaw the construction of some of the most massive temple complexes in Egypt, including one at Karnak and also one at Thebes, close to the old temple of Amun. In the ninth year of his reign, Akhenaten declared a more radical vision or version of his new religion, 
declaring Aten not merely as the supreme god of the Egyptian pantheon, but the only god of Egypt, with himself as the sole intermediary between Aten and the Egyptian people. The most fascinating thing about this temporary new monotheistic religion is that Atonism included a ban on idols and other images of Aten, with the exception of a rayed solar disk in which the rays, commonly depicted in hands, appear to represent the unseen spirit of Aten. Aten, Aten, or Aten, was addressed by Achenhaten in prayers such as the great hymn, and I quote here, The countries of Syria and Nubia, the land of Egypt, thou settest every man in his place, thou suppliest their necessities, everyone has his food, and his time of life is reckoned, their tongues are separate in speech, and their nature as well, their skins are distinguished, as thou distinguish the foreign peoples, thou makest a Nile in the underworld, thou bringest forth, thou driest, to maintain the people of Egypt. End quote. After Achenhaten died, his son Tutankhamun became ruler as a minor, and very quickly Egypt was moved back to its traditional polytheistic ways by his guardians, including moving the capital back to Thebes. It is alleged, however, that Achenhaten was ruler of Egypt when Moses and his tribe were slaves in Egypt. Jews, it is assumed, originated as an ethnic and religious group in the Middle East during the 2nd millennium BCE in the Levant, i.e. modern Syria, Lebanon, Jordan and Israel. Yahwahism was a religion of ancient Israel centered around God, Yahweh. Yahweh was also one of many gods and goddesses of the pantheon of gods in the land of Canaan, the southern portion of which later became known as the land of Israel. Yahwism existed parallel to Canaanite polytheism. The differences between the gods described by Moses and the one here is that Yahwism believed in a major god, Yahweh, as a primary deity over the other deities, but accepting of the other deities, whereas in Judaism that would not be the case, i.e. singular God only. According to Egyptian scriptures of the time, there is only really one text with any reference in Egyptian scriptures to Israel, and that from one ancient Egyptian source, meaning other than this moment in time and that scripture, and who knows if the tribes were enslaved after this period or before this period or during this period, the Egyptians did not consider the Jewish tribes important enough to mention ever again. It was neither important at the time, before or after. If you're Jewish, the biblical components of the Bible may as well be, well, Bible and biblical. And the word biblical itself sounds insanely epic. However, as far as the Egyptians were concerned, it was business as usual, and this was just another slave tribe doing its job. The Israelites, on the other hand, are believed to be an outgrowth of the Canaanite population. Some believe, rightly or wrongly, that the Jews founded the small kingdoms of Israel and Judea. Others believe that these Canaanite Israelites melded with a nomadic tribe known as the Hebrews. 
Jews believe that God, the singular God, revealed his, his, laws and commandments to a chap named Moses on Mount Sinai in the form of both the written and oral Torah. Judaism is different to anything prior because it is an organized religion. Essentially, it is an institutionalized belief system where key rituals are formalized. Organized religion is typically characterized by an official doctrine and a codified set of rules and practices. The Jews eventually were gobbled up into the Persian Iranian Empire, who were then swallowed in to the Roman Republic, then Roman Empire. It was soon after the fall of the Republic, i.e. post-Mark Antony, post-Caesar, post-Cleopatra, etc., and the start of the Roman Empire when Augustus was the emperor that a fellow named Jesus was born. Jesus was born during the reign of Augustus in the Roman city of Nazareth in their province of Galilee. Jesus was a Jewish preacher. Followers of Jesus believe him to be the incarnation of God the Son and the awaited Messiah, i.e. Christ, as per the Old Testament. The Old Testament is based primarily on 24 books of the Hebrew Bible and is considered to be the forerunner to the later New Testament that has more teachings about the teachings and person of Christ and events in the first few years of the new Christian belief system. John the Baptist was a Jewish preacher. John is mentioned by the Roman Jewish historian Joseph and revered as a major religious figure in Christianity, Islam, the Bi-Faith, and now extinct Mandarinism. According to the New Testament, John anticipated a messianic figure greater than himself. John belonged to the Essences, a semi-ascetic Judaic sect who expected a Messiah and who practiced ritual baptism. John baptized Jesus, and several of Jesus' earlier followers happened to have followed John previously. Early Christianity starts with Jesus' life and times and then moves to the story of the apostles. The early Christians were mostly Jews. Early Christianity was seen as no more than another Jewish sect. The big split between Christians and Jews happened a bit later, when Paul, or Saul, S-A-U-L or P-A-U-L, who was one of Jesus' apostles, is considered a pivotal figure in propagating Christianity by allowing non-Jews to join the sect. This caused a rift where Christianity moved away from Judaism and permanently formed its own religion. Christian history is littered with persecution by the Romans since they were living in the Roman Empire. However, the universal message of reasonable equity, charity, and so on and such forth began to catch on. Eventually, it reached one Roman emperor, Constantine I, whose reign and ultimate conversion created the version of Christianity that is pushed out to us through the ages. Constantine did more for the one single God than Jesus, John, and Paul combined. He took it mainstream. As soon as he did, the various Christian subsects began bickering amongst one another about theological dialogue. What that means is that interpretations of the doctrine and the one 
true God was disputed and challenged and that became contentious because in theory there can only be one explanation. The Druze are an Arabic-speaking ethno-religious group originating in West Asia who self-identify as the people of monotheism. Jethro of Medan is considered the ancestor of the Druze, who revere him as their spiritual founder and chief prophet. It is a monotheistic Abrahamic religion based on the teachings of Hamza bin Ali bin Ahmad and the sixth Fatimid caliph Al-Hakim Bil Amr Allah and ancient Greek philosophers such as Plato, Aristotle, Pythagoras and Zeno. The Druze incorporate elements of different branches of Shia Islam, Jewish Christianity, Zoroastrianism, Buddhism, Hinduism and others, including Plato and other Greek philosophers, creating a distinct theology. Druze believe in the manifest of a deity in a real way and reincarnation or the transgression of the soul. Druze believe that the end of the cycle of rebirth, which is achieved through successive reincarnations, is a soul united with the cosmic mind. In the year 610 CE, an Arab nomad named Muhammad began receiving what Muslims consider to be the divine revelations calling for submission to the one God, the one singular God. This Arab became a prophet of the faith, Islam. Muhammad's message won over a handful of followers and then very quickly grew across the region into the Persian Empire and all over northern Africa and Spain. Judaism had become the dominant religion of the Humanite kingdom in Yemen after about 300 AD. While Christianity took root in the Persian Gulf, by the time of Muhammad's life, Zoroastrianism, Christianity and Judaism were all present in Arabia alongside the traditional pantheon of Arabic gods and goddesses of whom Allah was one of them. Interestingly, Muslims link Allah to the same God of Jesus, who happens to be the same God of Moses, technically that of Aten, with the possible hint of Zoroaster. Muslims assume all three as of the book, meaning the Abrahamic book, the Jewish book, the Torah. So the Jews, the Christians and the Muslims are technically of the book. Let's head back to India. In Sikhism, the overall concept of God is Waguru, wondrous teacher, considered to be shapeless, timeless, the creator and incomprehensible and invisible. Sikhism, unlike the Abrahamic beliefs, had 10 gurus, not prophets, and was conceived surrounded by pre-existing belief systems of the time, namely Hinduism and Islam. Sikhism is actually one of the world's newest religions and its foundations are in the Punjab region of northern India. The first guru was born in 1469, while the tenth and last guru died as recently as 1708. We also have Rastafari, an Abrahamic religion that developed in Jamaica during the 1930s. Yes, the 1930s. Very recent. There is no central authority in control of the movement and much diversity exists among its practitioners who are known as Rastafari, Rastafarians or Rastas. Rastas' beliefs are based on specific interpretation of the Bible, central 
is a monotheistic belief in a single god referred to as Jah, who is deemed to partially reside within each individual. Rastas accord key importance to Heli Salis, the emperor of Ethiopia between 1930 and 1974. Many regard him as the second coming of Jesus and Jah incarnate, while others see him as a human prophet who fully recognized Jah's presence in every individual. The One True God This podcast has many listeners from multiple countries. I'm confident that I've probably offended many of you. For that, I'm sorry. Religion is a touchy topic and one true God is more touchy than others. For the record, I am not remotely religious. I am, I guess, what you would call an agnostic. But if you pushed a gun to my head, I'd be closer to animism than anything else because at least nature is something I can understand. I don't know if there is one or many gods, or if there is no god. I can't prove or disprove anything, and science does not hold the answers to everything. To me, personally, the study of God, or the gods, is one of the most amazing aspects of human civilizational history. It plays such a large role in almost everything about our collective past. The ability for humans to evolve completely independently in small tribes all over the planet and still worship something, and have that habit in common, is quite astonishing. I also believe that humans' endurance to worship is something that is possibly what led to civilization in the first place. In other words, the concept of God came first, then the requirement to worship later. That requirement led to civilization as we know it. Yes, that worshipped, all-knowing, all-magnificent deity, that one true God. Personally, I'm confident on my afterlife path. It's straight down to hell for me, and I'm looking forward to it. I don't have a problem with it personally. The one true God isn't a deity I've ever had the pleasure of worshipping, but it was because of him, yes, that one true God, who after creating the universe, rested. Just because of that rest, at the end of a tough week, we have created the concept of weekends. And for that, we should be eternally grateful. You have been listening to an alternative history podcast. Please like, follow, subscribe and comment on the podcast platform of your choice. Thank you so much 